What's happening? A good Monday to all of you. Thanks for joining us as always. It is very much appreciated. All the talk. All the talk about a new QB1 for the Patriots and the same crap offense. That was my takeaway from yesterday's game. Welcome in. First live edition here of the Nick Cattle Show on this Monday. Chargers beat the Patriots 6-zippo yesterday. Yes, 6 to nothing. And when we look at Bailey Zappi, I've heard a lot of people talking about him today. I've read a lot about his performance yesterday. I have watched several shows talking about Bailey Zappi and what he did. Before we get into Bailey Zappi's performance, the good and the bad, I think we need some context here. Anybody talking about Bailey Zappi and how good he might have been or how much better he was, let's first acknowledge this. It's more of an indictment on Mac Jones and how bad he was and how broken he was versus how good or any belief that many people have in Bailey Zappi. The fact is Bailey Zappi took over for a broken quarterback. And when you do that, when you do that, it is a very low bar. And it was an incredibly low bar yesterday for Bailey Zappi to leap over. So first and foremost, this was more of an indictment on Mac Jones and his inability to play the quarterback position over the last few weeks, really since going back to Dallas, aside from a few quarters here and there, than it was, oh man, Bailey Zappi is that much better. Look how great Bailey Zappi is. More of an indictment on Mac than a belief in Zappi. The other thing I would say, a lot of people are discussing Bailey Zappi and his poise and what was better from Zappi yesterday versus Mac Jones. We have to understand this one thing. Mac Jones became a broken quarterback over time. It didn't happen overnight. And what we need to acknowledge is that we have a very, very small sample size of Bailey Zappi. It takes time to create the bad habits that we saw from Mac Jones. It takes time for any quarterback to be broken. They don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden they forgot how to play football. That's not how it happens. So we have to keep those things in mind. Now, with all of that said, the offense again yesterday was inept. It was bad offense. 257 total yards against that Chargers defense. We talked about it late last week. The Chargers defense is one of the worst in football. I said I expected Zappi to play fairly well. And we look at yesterday, 257 total yards against that defense. Again, keep it in perspective. Let's lend some context to the conversation. Patriots offense was 5 of 14 on third down. Last time I checked, that's not good. The running game was non-existent. And some of that, of course, has to do with Ramondre Stevens' injury, right? Ramondre gets hurt. You're left with Zeke Elliott. And by the way, we also need to address the lack of running back depth because your two running back selections in last year's draft failed miserably. So now you're stuck with Ty Montgomery as the break glass in case of an emergency, and Montgomery carried the football once for two yards. So the lack of running back depth is a roster issue. It's a draft issue. So Ramondre goes down. You're left with Zeke, who's done as good as you could expect him to, but he's dealing with a banged-up thigh, and now you've got to give that guy 50 snaps because you don't have any other running back on the roster that you trust. It's not good. So the running game wasn't good yesterday. 26 carries for 91 yards. The Patriots averaged less than four yards a carry during that game yesterday. Five sacks. The offensive line, again, was not good. Micah Wenu was terrible. Don't know if he was under the weather or what was going on, but that was his worst game in quite some time. So your offensive line wasn't very good. The run game wasn't very good. We've talked about these things all year long. Different QB1, same crap offense. We saw some of the same issues. 
And if people thought there was going to be some kind of Bailey Zappy boost yesterday, I didn't see it. Did you see it? If there was going to be a Bailey Zappy boost in yesterday's game, it would have happened right away in that first half. And it didn't. First half was brutal, man. The Patriots had six first half drives when you don't count the end of half, right? The one handoff or whatever it was to get to halftime. They had six first half drives, five punts in the Stevenson fumble. Didn't matter who the quarterback was. This offense is inept. Six drives, five punts, one turnover. Very familiar to what we've seen in prior games. This is what we have seen week in and week out. Bailey Zappi overall, 13 of 25. Barely over 50% completion percentage. 141 passing yards. Again, when we look at Bailey Zappi and his performance, and we have this conversation about the quarterback, we have to understand it's more of an indictment on Mac and his inability to play the game of football than it is a belief in Bailey Zappi. Because if any other quarterback walked into a game against that defense and completed 13 of 25 for a buck 41, we'd be talking about how that quarterback is not very good. But instead, today we're talking about, well, at least it was better than Mac. That's where we are at with this football team. That's where we are at with this offense. The first half was awful. I tweeted this out. You can follow me at Nixie Radio. I tweeted this out yesterday. Did Bailey Zappi throw one accurate pass in that first half? I, that's not hyperbolic. I'm not trying to throw stuff up against the wall to get clicks. Honestly, think back to yesterday's first half. Was there one accurate pass? Right off the bat, you had a slant route to Devontae Parker, threw it behind him. He missed Zeke Elliott in the flat, who was wide open. He missed Hunter Henry, who was wide open, threw it behind him. He didn't throw one accurate pass in that first half. It was that bad. Now, he was better in the second half, and we'll get into some of the improvements from Zappi because there were some improvements, and we'll get to that. But the first half, it was a comedy of errors. There were sacks taken. It was incredibly inaccurate. Stevenson gets hurt while he fumbles. Five punts, one fumble, your first six drives of this game. Not nearly good enough, especially against that defense. So the better second half, yes, we saw. Bailey was more aggressive. The play calling was more aggressive. And you looked at his accuracy. His accuracy improved throughout the second half and, and really through the third quarter, which I thought was you know a, a much better quarter than what we had seen in the first two. One thing I would say about Bailey, though, is he took a number of sacks. And now some of that is on the offensive line, yes. But there were at least two or three sacks yesterday where Zappi has to get rid of the football. And there were a couple of those sacks that he took on third down, fourth down. You know, the third down sacks are inexcusable. We saw some of that from Mac as well. But you've got to get rid of the football. And yes, it's better than throwing a pick. It's better than turning it over. But you still can't take some of those sacks that Zappi took yesterday. So that's something that he has to improve on. Speaking of improvements, we did see some improvements from Zappi. We'll talk about that in a minute. Hit that like button. Give us a thumbs up. If you're watching live, give us that thumbs up. Thumbs up on YouTube means more eyeballs, build traffic. I'm a one-man band here with the Nick Cattle Show. Every single like means an awful lot. Give us that like. Also, don't forget to comment and subscribe. I will get to uh, some of your comments. Here is uh, Kyle jumping in saying he was excited for the live show, Nick. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it. Rocky James saying, great live show, Nick. I appreciate you. Robert says, look, better than Mac. 
Ain't so easy, is it, though? Talk about that. Not as easy as you thought. So the improvements from Bailey Zappi, because I'm going to be fair to Zappi. Again, there was some not good, but there were some improvements. His pocket poise was better. His pocket poise was much better. He wasn't panicky in the pocket. He wasn't looking around as much. He didn't look as scattered. He looked more confident in the pocket. He looked more confident in his scrambling, especially in the first half. So the poise was much better. Again, I remind everybody, though, watching and listening, you know, we have to remember this. The accumulation. Mac was panicky after he got hit a billion times. So will Zappi show this same kind of poise three weeks down the line, four weeks down the line, if his offensive line continues to leak and he continues to get punished? We'll have to wait and see. But yesterday, we're judging right now on yesterday's game, his poise was better than Max. He extended some plays, which was nice to see. Showed the ability to get more out of nothing from time to time. Of course, he didn't turn the football over, which is a, a, an improvement by leaps and bounds over Mac, right? Mac would have good quarters. Mac would have good stretches. Mac would have good drives, but inevitably, Mac would shoot himself in the foot by throwing an awful pick in the red zone. Now, the question we might ask is is it better to watch an offense get to the red zone and throw a pick in the red zone versus not getting to the red zone at all? <laughs> Because as, as crazy as it sounds, the Patriots did not get inside L.A.'s 20-yard line once yesterday. But no turnovers from Zappi, which is an obvious improvement. I thought Zappi threw a better deep ball. And he threw four or five passes downfield that I thought were pretty accurate. Gave his receivers a chance to make plays. So that was good to see. He wasn't broken. And I think that's what we take away from this game is you had a broken quarterback with Mac Jones, and now you have a non-broken quarterback in Bailey Zappi. Doesn't necessarily mean Zappi's great. Doesn't even mean he's very good. Shoot, he might not even be good. But he's better than the broken quarterback they had. Small sample size. We'll see what other people have to say when they watch the All-22 and break down the film and we get some of the analytics. But I say let's be patient. Because it's one game, and the accumulation hasn't taken over just yet. How will Bailey Zappi react when his receivers continue to drop passes like Tyquan Thornton yesterday? How will he react as he gets hit 100 times? How will he re react to those things? That is what we have to watch for. Now, other stuff as part of this game, Ramondre Stevenson hurt. Looks like it's a sprain, not a break. Might miss multiple games, according to Jeff Howe. What I would say is just sit him. Shut Ramondre Stevenson down. There's absolutely zero reason to play Ramondre Stevenson the rest of this year. You're 2-10. You suck. No reason to play your best offensive player when he's banged up. Sit him down. Say thank you for your services, Ramondre. We'll see you in 2024. So that's not going to make this offense any better. Stevenson being done. Malik Cunningham. All the talk about Malik Cunningham. Zero snaps. 0, 0.0 snaps for Malik Cunningham. And apparently he said there were a package of plays that were there for him. Apparently the Patriots didn't feel the need to go to him. And it, I, I was somewhat surprised because with Stevenson being out of this game, they had to lean so heavily on Ezekiel Elliott. I thought Malik might get a couple of snaps at the very least to run some of that quarterback option stuff, some of that read option. But the Patriots decided to give Malik Cunningham zero snaps yesterday. I was somewhat surprised by that. We talked about Ty Montgomery. He continues to make money to do very little for this football team. 
One carry, two yards. Yay. He's not even returning kickoffs anymore. Jalen Rager returned the kickoffs yesterday. Can somebody please tell me why Ty Montgomery is on this football team? He's not trusted to be a running back when Stevenson gets hurt. You have to play Zeke 50 snaps yesterday. He's now not returning kicks. What does Montgomery do for this team? He's taking up a roster spot. What is the point? Does Ty Montgomery have pictures on Bill Belichick? I mean, I'm trying to figure this out, why that guy's on the roster. He's done about as much as you and I have this season, but he's still on the roster. One carry, two yards. Good job, Ty Montgomery. Tyquan Thornton doing Tyquan Thornton things. Drop the football downfield. He had that nice end around. And here's what we need to, to really talk about, right? And, and Peter Jacoby jumps in. He says, do people realize it's a bad team yet? Let's just soak this in for a minute. Tyquan Thornton played 51 snaps yesterday. 51 snaps. He's terrible. And, and look, I know I saw Evan Lazar today on Twitter slash X say that Tyquan got open several times. So maybe some of that was on the quarterback. Again, we have to watch film. But when Thornton's been given an opportunity, he has failed to make the most of it. But this team is so bad and it's so thin. And now we have injuries stacking up at the wide receiver position that you're left with Tyquan Thornton playing more than 50 snaps in an NFL game. That, that's where we are. And when it was bad, Khalil Mack absolutely destroyed that offensive line all day. Reminded me of Micah Parsons against Dallas. Somehow, some way, the Patriots allow the best defensive pass rusher to cause all sorts of havoc in the backfield. We saw it against Dallas. We saw it yesterday against the Chargers. Zero snaps inside the 20 <laughs> of the Chargers. Boston Sports Inf on Twitter, slash X, Patriots, the first team ever in the Super Bowl era to allow 10 or fewer points in three consecutive games and lose them all. Jeff Howe posted, the Patriots' first team since 1938 to lose three consecutive games in the same season when they did not allow more than 10 points in any of those games. Mike Reese chimed in, the Patriots have allowed 26 points over the last three games and lost all three. That's the fewest points allowed by any team over a three-game span in a single season, all which were losses since the start of 1950. And that was the, the Eagles back in 1950. When I say this offense is historically bad, again, it's not hyperbole. It's fact. This offense is historically bad. It stinks out loud. Now, Belichick would not name a, a quarterback for this week against Pittsburgh. I would be shocked if it's not Zappy. Mac is broken. You have a short week at Pittsburgh. I think Zappy will be starting on Thursday night. And did you see the over-under number on that game? Woof. My freaking goodness. Pete jumps in. Pete Pistorius says, uh, five sacks. Where was our O-line? Uh, on vacation, which has been mostly the case this year. Offensive line has stunk from week one to now. Michael Wenu has played good football yesterday. He was atrocious. Don't know if he was bothered by something. Don't know if he had the runs. Have no idea. Have no idea. What, what 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 is going on, but it, it wasn't good enough. Mike Larry jumps in with this. Mac by himself, no Bosa, still forced to shut out. Yeah. What are waiting, what are fans waiting for to see from Bill Belichick? Destroyed. Khalil Mack ate your lunch yesterday. Going in, you have to believe that you're game planning against Khalil Mack, right? 
if if I'm the offensive coordinator, if I'm the head coach and I'm, I'm game planning against that defense, I go, there's one guy, there is one single solitary guy that can destroy us on this defense, and his name is Khalil Mack. At all costs, we are stopping that guy. Same stuff happened with Micah Parsons. All right, not all has been bad for the Patriots. We'll talk about Gerard Mayo and that Patriots defense coming up. Don't forget to like. Give us that thumbs up. Take out a second of your day as you're watching this and listening. Give us that thumbs up. More likes means a lot to this operation. More likes means more eyeballs. Give us that like. Don't forget to comment. I'll continue to sprinkle your comments. A, a big reason why we're going live now is to interact with all of you. So continue to you know give us those likes. Continue to comment. And don't forget to subscribe. All right, let's talk about this defense because I, I've had enough of the offense. I'm about to throw up. So let's look at the defense. The defense was prepared. And if you're looking at Gerard Mayo, if you're looking at Mayo as an option, as your next head coach, I'm not telling you he should be the guy. But what I am saying is the fact that this defense has been so prepared against pretty good offenses, it is a feather in the cap for Mayo. It's a feather in the cap for Mayo that he has his guys tuned in, locked in. They were ready for almost everything yesterday. Now, the guys... They're also buying in. And if you're wondering if Gerard Mayo can get his team to buy in, if, you, if you're looking for Gerard Mayo as a leader of men and, and will get that effort from his team, I do think that watching this defense buy in, this team is 2-10. and 10. Their offense sucks. The fact that this defense continues to buy in and they're not only buying in, they're not only prepared, but they're playing hard. The fact that these guys are buying in and playing hard for Mayo and for Steve Belichick, I do think that means an awful lot. When we look at Mayo and his ability to lead, his guys are not quitting. He has his guys playing hard. He has his guys playing pretty well. So I think that says a lot about Gerard Mayo's capability of, A, game planning, because don't get it twisted. We had Phil Perry on the show last week. Phil said, Gerard Mayo is the defensive coordinator. He's not the play caller, but he's the guy that has a lot, a lot to do with the defensive game plan during the week. He does everything but call plays on game day. He looks at the overall operation defensively for the most part on game day. So if you're looking at game planning, I think it proves that Mayo is a pretty good game planner. If you're looking at relatability, and his capability of getting the most out of guys. I think we've seen that. No Christian Gonzalez, no Matthew Judon. You had, at one point yesterday, like three healthy cornerbacks. Sean Wade went down due to an illness. Then you're playing against Justin Herbert, who is one of the better quarterbacks in football. And you saw this defense play well. It wasn't perfect. A lot of drops, which we'll get to in a minute from the Chargers. But it proves that Bill Belichick can still be, build a defense. Offense. We've talked about it, not so much. Defensively, this team does have some talent on the defensive side. They do have enough defense to let this team compete, even though their offense couldn't get inside the LA 20 yesterday. Now, Herbert's history versus Belichick, we talked about it. He hasn't been good against the Patriots, and yesterday he wasn't very good. 22-37 for 212, no touchdowns, no picks. The drops did hurt him. He had four drops. The Quentin Johnston drop was awful. On third down, he had a couple of big drops on third down from his receivers. So the drops did not help. But the, the Patriots defense, look at the run defense, man. And yes, the Chargers, they're not a great run run offense. Austin Eckler is not the best, you know, pure straight running back downhill. He's better in space. 
but the Chargers ran 20 times. Their running backs ran 20 times for 34 yards. The Patriots defense held the Chargers run offense under two yards per carry. I don't care who you're going against. When you limit a football team to under two yards per carry, you did a damn good job. And that's exactly what the defense did yesterday against the run. They shut down the Chargers run. L.A. was 5 for 15 on third down. Uh, the Patriots defense only gave up three plays of over 20 yards against an offense that can show some explosion against the quarterback and Justin Herbert that can create some explosive plays by extending. And I thought Jabril Peppers again showed up. That guy's that guy's a dog. I, I would love Jabril Peppers on this team until he retires. That guy shows up every single week. Jabril Peppers made some plays. Josh Uche made a great play. Uh, and, and then you had Jalen Mills with the pass breakup. Miles Bryant made a good play. Christian Barmore, I think, has been a stud the last month and a half. If there's if there's any silver lining to this terrible season, Barmore is one of those silver linings. I think he's played really good football. This defense is doing everything that they can. Honestly, they're doing everything that they're capable of doing without Judon and without Gonzalez. And that speaks to the guys, and that speaks to the coaching staff. When you look at the offense, it's terrible. The special teams, again, were bad. How many guys How many guys do we have? I should check my notes. How many guys do we have on this, on this roster that are special teams only? What, five or six? And the special teams can't get out of their own way? Missed a field goal against the Giants to push that game into overtime. Missed a field goal against the Colts in Germany. Yesterday was a bad special teams day again. You muffed a kickoff return. You shanked a punt. You gave up a big punt return to L.A., which resulted in three points, three of the only six they scored. So special teams against stunk. Three phases of the game. One phase is, is doing pretty well. The other two phases are, are not competitive. Here's the good news, though. The Cardinals beat the Steelers. Yeah, baby. There's the good news. There's the good news we've all been waiting for. The Cardinals are 2-2 two and two with Kyler Murray. Could the Cardinals make a little bit of a run here at the end of this season? Is it possible? Could they make a little bit of a run? The Patriots now are in the spot. Number two spot, NFL draft. If the NFL draft was tonight, we'd be talking about uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison, mostly Williams or May. The Patriots currently are in the number two spot for the draft after 13 weeks of play. So shout out to the Cardinals. Continue to play hard. Continue to win football games. Kyler Murray, two and two. Love it. Absolutely love it. Here, let's go to uh, some comments before we uh, continue here. Rich Don, eight, just make Mayo coach next year. You know what you're getting with him. Uh, to a point, you do know what you're, get, what you're getting with him from a personal standpoint. And I think defensively, again, will the guys play for him? Defensively, they, they seem to want to play for him. But he's never been a head coach. We can't forget that. So every single time you have these conversations, no matter if it's Ben Johnson from Detroit, offensive coordinator, or it's Gerard Mayo, first-time head coach, first-time leader of men, first-time the leader of all the 53. And that has to take, you know, that, that has to be accounted for. But Mayo is somebody who, by all accounts, from people that know him well, he's going to delegate more than Belichick. He's going to delegate more. He's going to be more relatable. So if he is the guy, I do think there's going to be some stark differences between he and Belichick. I don't think, you know, it's just a, a Belichick disciple who's going to run the same thing. Let's go to Wayne Jackson here. He says, uh, love your show. I'll miss you here in Virginia. Thanks. Shout out to all the people out in Virginia, Virginia Beach. Lovely place. Loved living there. 
fantastic stuff. Um, just really, really good stuff in Virginia Beach, including my my bar. If you ever go down there, Tailgate Sports Pub. Mike Pyle, good show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see what uh, Peter Jacoby says. Talked about this defense. Do you think our defense is actually good? I'm not sure. It seems like other teams don't take it seriously because they know the offense can't score. Look, I- I'm not going to sit here and slight the defense and say it's because the other the offenses aren't playing well or they don't care, et cetera, et cetera. I, I-, I think we've got to give credit where credit's due, right? Let's give credit where credit's due. The fact is this defense has given up 26 points the last three weeks in in the 2023 NFL. Very difficult to do. So let's give credit where credit's due. I'm going to sit there and say the defense has played well. The The defense has played well enough for this team to win the last three weeks. If this team had any offense, if this team looked like, I don't know, an average NFL offense, they win the last three weeks. So I'm looking away from the defense. I think they've done a good enough job, especially given the fact they don't have Gonzalez, they don't have Judon. I think they've done more than well enough compared to what you would expect. But again, Patriots in the number two spot, baby. NFL draft. Wish it happened tomorrow. Okay, winter meetings start today. Red Sox set up to have a big offseason. I'll get to that in a minute. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Give us that like. I would love to get to 200 likes on this podcast today. Uh, We're going to go live 11 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, every weekday, Nick Cattle Show on YouTube. All right, winter meeting, start today. Red Sox, are they gunning for a big offseason? Now, pitching, we've said this over and over and over again, is priority number one. And we're all looking at Yamamoto. The Yamamoto wait. We're all waiting for Yamamoto. Is Yamamoto going to make his decision anytime soon? He's meeting with teams this week in the States. And I think what we're seeing is guys like Jordan Montgomery, who the Red Sox have spoken to, guys like Montgomery are waiting for Yamamoto. Because if Yamamoto is going to get more than $200 million, Montgomery is going to get more money. So I think we're all kind of waiting for the Yamamoto domino to fall before we start to move into what the Red Sox are actually going to do here. The Mariners are looking for outfield help. I think the Mariners could be a great match. I I posted that last night, Nick C Radio, follow me. I posted that, you know, the Mariners and the Red Sox working out a trade makes a lot of sense. The Mariners are looking for outfield help. The the Red Sox are looking for pitching. The Mariners have a lot of young pitching. So uh, could they work out a deal this week? We'll see. As we all know, Craig Breslow's the guy. And it begs the question, what's next? How aggressive will they be? Will they spend? And when I mean spend, will they spend big? Rob Bradford on Breslow in the offseason weeks ago. So the Red Sox are going to let Breslow mold things his way with the spending power of an ANSI ownership at the ready. Now, I need to see it to believe it. More from Bradford. Because of the aforementioned apathy issue, it would seem that the Red Sox need to go back to start planting some stakes in the ground this offseason. Simply put, they need players people want to invest in and their roster can be built around. And it sure wouldn't hurt if at least a couple of those players pitched for a living. Totally agree. Now, I think Alex Cora plays a role in this as well because Cora's on the last year of his deal. Cora's on the last year of his contract. We know that Cora is interested in the long term of being in the front office. So Cora has every reason to want all of the talent in the world to work with this year. Even if he's going to stay away from the front office, he wants to build the value of himself. The more talent he has, the better this team will be, which means the more wins they will have, which means his contract will also begin to stack up and rise, right? And you know he's looking around the game and looking at some of these contracts. So 
Cora, last year of his deal, has front office interest. He wants players. He wants talent. The coach, the manager, has all the reason to want the Red Sox to make big moves this offseason. Now, the issues we wonder, was it the fact that Bloom was just super cautious and unable to pull the trigger? Is that why the Red Sox did not invest as they had done in prior years before the last few? Was it Bloom's cautiousness that hurt this team the most? Or was it the fact that the ownership would not spend the money that they had spent in prior years? Because we know that Bloom got thrown under the bus. He got thrown completely under the bus. As soon as he was gone, we had all of these leaks about what he wouldn't do and what was bad about him. And the Red Sox are at a crossroads. I think they need to invest. They need to invest seriously. They need to bring talent onto this roster. They need to get this fan base back to being excited. They need people wanting to watch the product. They need people wanting to go to Fenway Park. They don't need any more series at Fenway that have 80% of the opposition's fans. It's the time now to spend. And I would imagine that Breslow understands the apathy of the fans because he has lived here. And I would imagine he's motivated to make some moves. But there are no more scapegoats, folks. Heim blooms out the door. It is time for this ownership to step up or step out. As simple as that. And when you look at the Red Sox spending... This year, Boston's opening day payroll ranked 12th in the majors. It's lowest since 1997. The payroll was just 13% above league average. Not that long ago, they were spending 70-plus percent more than the average. It's time to spend. This ownership needs to put the money where the mouth is. You need to go out there, and you need to do everything that you can possibly do to secure Yamamoto or go out there and sign Montgomery and then trade for a young pitcher. You need front of the rotation guys on this team immediately. Spend the money that you need to spend to accomplish that. No more excuses. I'm tired of it. All right, let's look at this, uh, this comment here. Bill has managed to put up a bleep show thanks to his great capabilities as a GM. Yeah, it's not great, folks. It's not great. Robert says a rebuild could take years. I'm I'm not so into the idea that this rebuild could take three, four, five years. We'll get into that more as we get closer to the offseason, but we'll see. We'll see how they uh how they can put it together. Cisco 300. Yo, yo, quick question. Miles Bryant on defense or Thornton on offense? Who is worse? Thornton. Miles Bryant could actually play some. Kelso H, where is Robert Kraft in his executive suite? watching this awful, awful show. Not this awful show. The Patriots awful show. <laughs> Matthew Zabin jumps in from Facebook and says, uh, top eight defense, dead last offense. Offense is terrible to watch. New QB1, same crap offense. All right, that'll do it for today's show. I appreciate all of you joining us. Back again tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. I have a lot of things I want to talk about this week, about Bill Belichick, the Patriots, what I see happening here. There's so much to get into, but I appreciate every single one of you for joining us for our first live show on this Monday. Back at it tomorrow. Until then, be well. It's the Nick Cattle Show.